Hello there, my friends. You've caught me in the garden once again. How nice. I suppose that means this is where our story must take place this week. I hope that's all right with you. The roses are especially red and fragrant. All of my roses must be red, I think. Not by any tyrannical rule I've put in place, but rather, it just seems that they keep turning up here, bright red, larger and larger, every time I come visit them. They're my favorite, you see. The red hibiscus, they are sacred. The red tomatoes, they are nostalgic. The red strawberries, they are sweet. But the red roses, they are my favorite. Because they do not serve a purpose other than to please me. I wonder who planted them. A monster gave me one a thousand lifetimes ago. And every now and then, he visits me to repeat the act, the gift of a pure gift, of a thing purely for enjoying, purely for smelling, purely for joy. I think my beloved monster man planted them, so that he could continue to give me them whenever he liked. I liked when they talked, last time that we were here. I'm not sure they will again. Don't pick the flowers just in case. Just smell them. It's interesting. It's an old scent, isn't it? Not fresh and new like spring. Not healing and rejuvenating like rosemary. Not cleansing and restoring like lavender. Roses smell like tombs, graves, homes, ancient perfumes. They smell both romantic and hallowed somehow. Two things we think ought not go hand in hand. But oh, how perfectly they do. Anyway, I do have a story. A little one. A rosy little story. Let's stay in the garden for it, though. For soon it will be winter, and we won't be able to have story time out here, will we? Breathe in the flowers. Smell the grass. Don't mind the chill in the air, or the leaves that are a little orange. It's all part of it. 
The sun has set earlier than usual tonight, and we have a lovely blanket of stars above us. And among the flowers, some fireflies have decided to have one last hurrah, hovering slowly and gently midair, almost staying still, holding their positions among the stone pathways here. We can walk and talk at the same time, so you can wander the garden, ramble about with me, or listen while I ramble while rambling, because, after all, it's the perfect night for a rambling story. Once upon a time, long, long, long ago, when spirits and souls and demons and angels and sprites and fairies and monsters and all manner of creatures from all manner of worlds that exist parallel to ours. Hmm, parallel isn't quite the correct word, is it? Oh, well, anyway. All kinds of things from all kinds of worlds existed among us. And believe me, we were just as strange to them as they were to us. And yet that was no reason to not be civil, and at the very least address their existence anyway, once upon a time, long, long, long ago, a human being was running. They were running from someone who meant them harm, and that is all I care to say on the matter. All you need to know is that it was someone they once trusted, but that trust was misplaced, and now they found themselves in a forest, running, running, running. Not sure how far the one who pursued them was, but not daring to stop and look back to find out. The only thing right now was the running, Though their lungs ached and though their feet cramped, though their brow was slick with sweat and their cheeks moist with tears, their eyes were determined and their body obeyed as long as they needed to run. From a contaminated home, from a broken heart, from an exhausting situation, from an imbalance of power. I believe that, at some point or other in most humans' lives, there will come a time of running such as this. It is a destination-less journey, and that is perhaps what is the most thrilling thing about it. Because all possibilities lie ahead except for one, the one that rests firmly behind. There is something wondrous in that, I think. Something powerful, too. Anyway, this person was running. Eyes ahead, only ahead. 
what they didn't realize was that they were being observed. Not by the one pursuing them, but by another. By a secret spirit. A spirit from a place like the ones I described earlier. A place that exists not exactly parallel to where we exist. Most of the time. That's not the right way to put it, but what is the right way to put it? Can you close your eyes right now? Whether or not you can, you can try to imagine it, perhaps. And I shall try to help you. You are here. You have a body here. A brain here. A heart here. Perhaps you are sitting in a room, or standing on a street, or driving in a car, or lying in a bed. Within you there are alive things too. Rivers of blood traveling. The heart beating, working, trying. The brain firing, connecting, processing. And among all that, little cells exist with their own plans and hopes and dreams. Sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes they work with difficult circumstances they're given. Sometimes they run from threat, too. Sometimes they attack. This exists alongside you existing in the room or street or car or bed. And there is also a world behind your eyes, in there. A world of shadow and shapes and colors and memory and imagined things and stars and galaxies and all kinds of events, plans, hopes and dreams, too, that have nothing to do with anything. And in your heart, not the working, beating, trying organ, but rather the one that feels love and a pull towards that love, or a push away from it sometimes, or a yearning, or a longing, or an attraction, or an aversion. That heart has its own world parallel to yours. And outside of you, how many worlds go on around you? There are thousands of universes in each person whose path you cross. Each little insect on the ground. Each bird high up in the sky. Each tree. How many universes function alongside each other within a single tree? Can you even fathom, then, how many there are in an entire forest? And that is only within your view. Imagine the planet. Imagine the cosmos and beyond. Anyway, perhaps you understand what I mean a little better now. Worlds that exist at the same time. Well, I just named the ones we are aware of. The ones we see. If those are only the ones we can conceive of, in the rather limited scope of our rational mind, how many others... Could there possibly be? In one world, you see, 
the story world that is existing within all of our ears right now. A human is running through a forest, running away from someone who means them harm. And alongside that person, there existed a creature. I could try to describe their world, but it would be in vain. If I said it was a red place, a hot place, full of torment, you might make assumptions, but that is up to you, I suppose. If I said that the creatures in that place, among the fire and the pain, felt longing, had dreams, fell in love, new kindness, you might be skeptical. But these are my worlds to describe, and I, in fact, refuse to believe that there is any world whatsoever where those things do not exist. This creature stood on a lonely peak, overlooking a river of fire in its world. It stood on black stone so hot that its feet burned, but it could not feel it through its thick black hooves, which were perfect for a place such as this. It watched an old world burning, a world that was destroyed in greed and hunger and lust and hubris long, long, long ago, until it became a different universe, a place where forests were only a distant fairy tale, and rivers of water were a promised land that fewer and fewer souls on this hot and torturous plain believed in anyway. It breathed in and out very deeply and slowly. And though the air was thick with smoke and hot, it felt good to do so. The creature's lungs were larger and much more complicated than ours, for it had adapted to this place. Its breath was hoarse as it filtered particles out from the air for its body. The creature's eyes were large and black, so that it blocked out much of the harsh, fiery light in this place. Its ears were pointed and curled, so it could hear a threat coming from far away. Its horns were long and sharp and thick, so that it could defend itself if need be. Its tail swatted away the poisonous insects that always circled around this place though it didn't kill them, for it knew they were doing their best to survive, too. The creature didn't have skin, but rather very large, flared red scales that shimmered in the river's firelight. It had always considered its own scales to be quite fetching, actually. It was seeking silence on this night and it found it, relatively speaking, and it enjoyed it.
the creature closed its eyes and continued to breathe. And then, in the darkness behind its eyes, it saw something. It was a different kind of creature, running, 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 in a world of trees, past flowers and grass and branches, and rivers full of water. The horned thing's heart beat faster and faster as it had never seen a world so lovely, so magical, so wondrous. Green wasn't a color it had ever seen, ever, and it loved it. But more than that, the thing that it didn't know was human was running past things with lovely, red, shining scales set on a single green leg. It didn't realize it was seeing roses, but it thought, my goodness, something a little like me in such a green place. The humans stopped by a river and splashed their face. The creature marveled to see in its mind's eye that the humans' eyes were as blue as the water they felt on their thin, and vulnerable skin. No wonder the human seemed so afraid. But what did it have to be afraid of in such a beautiful world as this? What could give the poor thing strength? The creature's red, scaly hand reached forward through one world into another and plucked a red rose from a nearby bush and placed it right beside the kneeling human. And as loud as it could, its heart whispered, Don't be afraid. But the human started at the distant sound, though unsure they had heard anything at all. When they turned and saw the rose, they debated only momentarily within themselves as to whether or not it had been there before. And if it hadn't, who put it there? Was it the one they were running from, playing games just as they used to? Driving the fleeing human to fear and paranoia once more, as he was wont to do in the past. The human stood up, glanced only briefly at the rose, and kept running. The creature in the other world felt its strong heart beat even faster. How could that human have not noticed the gift? Or was it so frightened, so ready to fight or to fly, that it could not accept it? The creature sat on the hot ground now, and it felt like nothing to him. His skin was made for this. He slowed down his breathing a little more now and tried again, closing his black eyes against the smoke of his world, and opening his mind's eye to ours, our story world, green and vibrant, and full of as much torment and passion and longing, just better at hiding it 
maybe. His heart followed its vision of the human running through the woods as the sun began to set, and they were somehow, despite the exhaustion, despite the pain, running even faster against the dimming light of the sun. Somewhere in the distance, the sound of a large creature with four hooves thundered. What this little human was afraid of was gaining on them. Those blue eyes were surrounded by fiery red determination, a familiar red that warmed the horned thing's heart. It wondered if it had a little green in its black eyes, or a little blue in its blood, maybe. Just a little bit of their world in his. How do I reach them? How do I help them? Why do I want to? He wondered. As the human found a cottage in the woods, ran inside and barricaded the door, the horned creature lay back on the hot ground in its own world. It didn't see the river of fire rising closer and closer. He could see the inside of the cottage with the frightened human within it. They were looking for food, for water, for a weapon, for anything, anything at all that they deemed useful or helpful in this difficult situation. They didn't even notice that outside the dusty and opaque cracked windows there were bushes of fresh and blooming roses crawling up the sides of the building, begging to be let in. Our creature with the horns was able to reach his claws through the veil between their planes and gently squeeze some red roses through the cracks in the ancient windows, petals sneaking in, pouring in a little at a time, leaking in through the windows as if to say, take some of my scales, armor yourself with whatever this lovely thing is. I don't know why it is that if I concentrate, and if I relax, and if I breathe deeply, I can see into your beautiful world, but I can, and I don't like that you're so sad, and so scared, and so tired. Take this lovely red thing. Maybe you can make yourself just a little like me. Only a little bit. Just so you can endure whatever heat and torture is coming for you. Your feet are so soft and bare. No wonder they're bleeding. Does this help? Does this lovely thing help? But they could not see him. The sad, lonely, lovely little human could not see this demon in another world. They only saw claw marks against the dust on the broken window. And red rose petals bleeding in through the cracks. And they thought their heart might explode from fear in that moment. Despite hearing the familiar words once more. Don't. Be afraid.
It was at that moment that the sound of running hooves grew louder, 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 and then stopped. Right outside of the cottage. And no amount of utterings of don't be afraid could stop the terror in the human's heart from taking over as they fell to the floor, holding themselves tightly. A knock at the door. Several louder knocks at the door. A loud bang against the door. Another causing the old termite-ridden furniture barricading the door to crack. The human did not know what to do. Rain began to pour outside, pounding against the crumbling windows, water leaking into the cottage, coating those rose petals, the place filling with the sweet scent of ancient morning. And so they sat on the floor and breathed. And they closed their eyes and they lay down and they whispered, I don't care if you are spirit or soul or demon or angel or sprite or fairy or monster. You have my attention. Help me. I need it. Help me. Now the two lay in their parallel but not worlds, one wet and dark, one dry and hot, one flooding over with rain, the other with fire, but both filled with the brightest, richest, most sumptuous red color one could ever imagine. With eyes closed, they could suddenly see each other very clearly. Not exactly, hang on. More like feel each other. The one's calm and focus caught like a virus to the other, and the other's fear and defiance caught like a virus to the one. A different strength in each. For one, the strength to stand tall and remain calm even in the face of a torturous hell. And for the other, the strength to find the inner willpower to leave a circumstance with nothing but trust in oneself. They saw that in each other. And they both somehow looked neither demonic nor human to the other. A smile exposed one's blackened fangs. And a smile pulled at the other's blue and shivering lips as they stopped and inhaled, allowing themselves to breathe in the strong smell of roses, allowing it to fill each of their lungs. The door broke down and a vicious, selfish, rage-filled monster of a human entered the little cottage. Too distracted by want and revenge to let the smell even hit him. He held a blade aloft, 
and let his heavy boots fall against the crumbling wooden floor. Towards the one he had pursued with such vigor. But the human on the floor did not cower. They did not sit up. They did not even open their lake blue eyes. A shining and expensive blade rose higher and higher, glinting in the dim moonlight. That smell only grew stronger and stronger, that delicious, gorgeous smell of roses. As the human on the floor whispered, I'm not afraid. And the blade came down against a red, scaly hand. Much larger than any human's, much stronger than any beast's. Black blood trickled between the long, strong fingers. But this is a creature bred from torture, remember, and so pain was no deterrent. The vicious human looked up into the black eyes of a demon and he felt, perhaps for the first time, the fear he had been so used to seeing in other humans' eyes, humans less fortunate than he. He felt for the first time powerlessness, and perhaps, I dare to hope, humility in learning that true power lay not in having the worldly fortune to be able to fulfill one's desires, but rather in having the courage of heart to stand strong for another in need. The exhausted human on the floor's defiant courage to run and seek help, too, was a power beyond any their cruel and selfish tormentor could hope to ever have and it drove him mad with rage to see that they no longer feared him. And it drove him mad with jealousy to see that they had what was surely the most powerful creature he had ever seen on this earth on their side. Perhaps he was not on the side of right after all. The cruel one breathed deeply. The seething anger and the terror of helplessness coursing through him. But he smelled, suddenly, a strange scent. Something lovely, ancient. A little sad. The demon with the rose petal scales across his enormous, strong, and beautifully shimmering crimson body breathed slowly too and nodded, uttering only, Don't be afraid. And the cruel human lowered and sheathed his expensive blade, turned and left mounted his horse, 
and went off to do whatever it is he decided to do. I don't care. The demon with the rose petal scales picked one of the roses from a bush outside of a broken window. Not minding the cuts along his great and strong palm, and how the thorns irritated it. He was accustomed to torture, and this was not that. He sat down on the floor, cross-legged, hooves and all. His world was flooded in fire, but it didn't matter because he was in this one now. The humans sat up on their elbows, finally feeling they could breathe, finally safe enough to stop and smell the roses. And the demon arched an eyebrow, holding the rose up high to see it in the moonlight, and asked them, What? is this it's dark here now in our garden I'm certain there are more roses now than there were before you can pick these if you like it's alright after all the garden told me so they're for you If you're feeling afraid, or in need of protection, or you would like to ask for help but don't know how, remember these, and look for peaceful, compassionate souls who are brave enough to stand with you against the terror you're facing. They're here, and if you can't find them right away, Imagine them until you do. And don't be afraid. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 246 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your host, writer, narrator, producer, composer, etc., Kristen Zaza, and I hope you enjoyed spending a little more time in the garden with me. I'd like to jump in with thanks this week to my newest Patreon supporter, Luna Svarazza. Thank you so very much for your pledge, Luna. It means the world to me, and I'm so grateful. If you'd like to support the show over Patreon, like Luna Svarazza, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash darkcoldnight for more information. Every supporter of $1 or more a month receives access to my complete show soundtrack, while supporters of $5 or more a month get that, 
a monthly tarot reading video every full moon, and a weekly bonus quick moment meditation every Thursday. Again, visit patreon.com slash darkcoldnight to learn more. You can also donate one time only via coffee.com, where I'm currently participating in the coffee challenge. You can help me meet my goal by donating one time only with no perks at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And I also have t-shirts and hoodies available through bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. The bonus mini-episodes, um, the quick moment meditations, are also available through a subscription to the Sonar Plus Apple Podcast channel for $3.99 a month. You can access those meditations and lots of other great bonus content from the Sonar Network by searching for On a Dark Cold Night on Apple or visiting the Sonar Network's page. Also, some good news I found out this week. Today, actually. I'm a finalist in the 2023 Signal Awards for Best Bedtime Podcast. I'm very honored and very grateful. And if you enjoy the show and want to put in a good word for me for the Listener's Choice Award, you can head on over to vote.signalaward.com, sign up, search for On a Dark Cold Night, and drop me a vote if you're so inclined. That would be awesome. I'd also love if you left a rating and or a review wherever you like to do so, like Spotify, Facebook, Apple, Podchaser, etc. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Blue Sky now at Kristen Zaza, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-Z-A-Z-A, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, Facebook and YouTube under On a Dark Cold Night, TikTok at Kristen Zaza, or on Twitter, Wama at A Dark Cold Night. These are great ways to reach out if you have a burning question for me that you'd like to hear me ramble on about in an upcoming episode. And you can find my album, Favorite Little Songs from On a Dark Cold Night, on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to stream music. It's 17 tracks, 14 of my favorite songs from the last three seasons, as well as all three versions of the theme song. Thanks very much for joining me this week. Take some time to smell the roses. That's all for me for tonight as I go to try to do the same. Lots of love, friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.